Welcome to the very first episode of our new Everton Stadium podcast. Throughout the entire construction process, we'll be bringing you exclusive and regular updates on just how the landscape is changing. Already, the wheels are in motion to turn our water-filled dockland dream into a reality. And during these podcasts, we'll be speaking to just about anyone and everyone involved at Bramley Moor Dock. We'll be asking the questions that you want the answers to. Our first guest is the man who has for so long harboured the dream of seeing his football team play in a magnificent new stadium. It is, of course, the chairman Bill Kenwright, who I caught up with on the very edge of the dock on the day we broke ground for the very first time. I am never, ever going to mention a new stadium without mentioning Goodison Park. And in saying that, the pride in moving here is undiminished and for an Evertonian to feel as good at this moment as I do um, is extraordinary, it's quite extraordinary and you know to, to ca find a site like this one which we've been working on for so long now the gaps, the lack ofs, all meant us to be here, all meant us and it's not that far from Goodison it's not that far from our new home offices at the Liver building, but we're leaving something beautiful for something astonishing. So may we have well over 100 years of happiness here too. I think we will. And I think I'll be here for all of them. How pivotal, how valuable has the support of Mr. Mashiri been throughout the whole process? You just couldn't have done it without him. You know, if, if, if anyone should feel proud today, it's fine. And the, the real commitment financially in terms of support from Farhad can't be un underestimated. We would not be here approaching this momentous occasion is it, if it wasn't for Farhad. But he's had a great CEO and a great, great team behind us. She's a great team captain herself and um, it's all been pushed forward because of uh, Team Everton, really. Well, another man who's been absolutely pivotal to the process of breaking ground at Bramley Moor Dock is our Stadium Development Director, Colin Chong. I caught up with Colin at his Royal Liver Building-based office. Colin, so much time and so much energy has already gone into this project, and at last we can say that work has started. We can. Uh, work has started in, I suppose, anger. There's around about 130 operatives on site uh, daily. Um, there's a number of work faces um, that are now being uh, executed that were previously with, were more survey type works and um, I suppose just protection type works, but now we're actually carrying out physical works that will be um, you know permanent in the stadium build. So it's it's really busy, uh, and and people will start to see some physical differences. Over the next few weeks, you know, holes in the uh, in, in Regent Road wall will be formed, so the site will be more visible from the external, um, you know, for, for passers-by. So really busy. Work has started. It's a massive, massive project, unimaginable to, to laymen like myself, but it has to start somewhere. What was the very, very first thing that we did? As in physical works? Yeah. Um, the very, very first thing that we did was actually rake the dock bed, um, which 
removed a load of historic detritus, if you want to call it that, um, and you know materials that fall in and off boats, and and so forth. Um, they were removed, which enabled us to carry out a um, sonar scan of the seabed, um, which then identified a number of um, targets that needed to be investigated by divers. Um, and I think our first scan produced about 171 targets. But as we've actually started to, uh, to carry out that exercise, um, that's increased to over 400 targets, because when you remove one target from a metre in the mud, there's three or four other targets that were hidden behind it. So it's, uh, it's proven to be a more onerous survey, but well worth um, you know, the, the exercise, because we found a number of of really interesting and really dangerous um, targets within the dock that have had to be dealt with over the last few weeks as well. So that's that was really the very first exercise that um, enabled the site to be made safe, protected human life and protected some of the uh, existing um, infrastructure on the site as well. So uh, that is continuing. Um, and then I suppose if you wanted to put it in layman's term, it's get rid of all the buildings on site. You know, the demolition is taking place as we speak. Um, and we're actually forming what we call the bathtub now, which is we're forming the isolation structures that segregate our dock from the rest of the dock system while we prepare to fill in the, you know, the dock with the sand, which will be harvested from the River Mersey. So uh, there's uh, some massive maritime engineering activities taking place at this moment in time. You mentioned demolition there, Colin. What, what What's being demolished? What's being taken apart at the moment? So everything that is above ground on that site, other than the hydraulic tower, which is the, you know, the, the structure that can be seen from the road, uh, will be demolished. Um, and we're, we're well into that as we, we you know, we speak. The, um, I suppose the old workshops on the northwest Quayside have already been demolished. Um, they're ready for, I suppose, material being reconstituted. And we've probably removed about a third of the big warehouse on the southern Quayside, um, working from the most western side of that to uh, working eastwards. So that will probably take place over the, or be completed over the next fortnight. You say we've got to isolate the dock. Is that literally just make that dock into a, a massive bath so that the water from the River Mersey can no longer flow in and, and presumably sea craft can't get in and out either? Yeah, so um, we've we've put, put already put in an isolation structure that prevents um, vessels from re-entering the dock. Uh, we've also put in what's known as a silk curtain and a bubble curtain, which prevents other creatures coming in and out of the dock. Um, so we've sort of created a, a soft bath tub. Um, but what we're now doing is we're going to form a temporary coffer dam, if you want to call it that, a bund that will block off that northern isolation um, area of the, of the dock. And we've then created that bath tub that, as you say, we can then import the sand into. That deplace, uh, displaces the water. Um, and, and then that's pumped back out into uh, the River Mersey through a, a licensed methodology. So it's uh, it, it is literally just isolate the back, you know, the, the, the dock from everything else that could potentially come in other than stuff that's within our control. 
So quite naturally, there will be some form of, of, of sea life, some life form inside the dock. What's the process to make sure that we that we remove them safely? So the, um, the, you're quite right, there is some real um, marine life in, in the dock. There's everything in there from barnacles, eels, pollock, place, um, you know, all sorts of flounders, which I'm pretty sure the uh, the local anglers will, will be familiar with. Um, so what we have actually done there is the bubble curtain prevents any marine life coming back in. And what we'll do is on the 17th of September, we actually start to remove all the marine life that's within the dock. Um, and that will be done by, and you know, under the jurisdiction of uh, the Environment Agency. Um, and, you know, they'll monitor the way that we remove the fish, release the fish, record any of the type of uh, species that may well either be invasive or under threat, such as eels. So um, there's a, a real detailed methodology on how we, we intend to clear the dock of any marine life. It's just about the most exciting project in the history of Everton Football Club, Colin, but it sounds like we could have picked a rather less complicated site on which to build it, couldn't we? Um, it, it's really funny because I've had many a conversation with the chairman and, and other board members where they've said, you know, this is the worst place to build a stadium. <laughs> it's so complicated, but when you're finished, it'll be the best. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, yeah, and you know what? We could have looked for easier sites. There weren't any available, um, you know, but the effort will be worth it when we finished. You know, this will be the fourth grace without a doubt. Mm. Um, you know, it's it, it just such an iconic structure. Um, it's going to be seen from, you know, the Irish Sea. There's, you know, visitors come down the River Mersey. It's going to be visible from uh, North Wales. You know, the Whittle, it's, it, it is really going to be a new icon for Liverpool. You've obviously been down there many times already, Colin. Can you imagine what it's going to look like? Are you standing on the edge of the dock like like I am at the moment and looking across thinking, I can't imagine this? Do you know what? Um, I'm probably going to do myself a disservice here. I'm not that bright. Um, I have to think in pictures, to be quite honest, Darren. Do <laughs> I ended up being a builder. Um, you know, one thing we are good at is visualising what it should look like and how it looks. Uh, on you know on completion um so yeah i can imagine what it's going to look like um and the more you go down there the more i suppose exposed you come to the size and scale and, and in your own mind's eye you can see how things will develop um but it's it's really interesting to think of for me it's all the stuff that's going to be hidden that is going to be lost um you know to, to everybody else's i suppose mind's eye i'm seeing the works taking place with you know as, as you know we're trying to record some of the you know the intricacies of what we're doing i know they've interviewed some of the uxo divers i know they're recording some of the demolition the repairs of the dock walls all those sort of things you know the fish removal the average layman is never ever going to know that we've done this unless we re we do record it and all they're going to see is the picture that I have in my mind of a finished stadium and it's important though that everybody understands the process that we've gone through to get where you know ultimately we want to be. We've got a bit more from Colin later on in this first new stadium podcast and you won't want to miss it believe me. Right Bramley Moor at the moment is 
a water-filled dock. And so the first obvious task is to, well, let the water out. But first, we have to make sure that there's nothing untoward lying in the water that would hinder the infill. Lenny is in charge of that particular operation. Lenny was standing right on the edge of the dock, not too close to the edge, thankfully. And something in the region of 20 foot away is a, is a barge. Just explain, first of all, why that's there. So we've got a barge which has got a dive station set up on it. It's a nice working platform that we can then move around the dock as necessary. As the divers, that's where they're going to be operating from for the duration. How many divers have we got working on these? Uh, the six the divers per shift and two shifts of divers working a day shift and a, and a night shift. So a diver comes along, he gets on the barge, starts his, his daily duties. What, yes. What's his remit? What's his instructions? So his instructions from leaving surface, he's going to go down, he's going to be on either UXO or recovery. So if he's going down and he's looking for unexploded ordnance, we're primarily looking for anything Second World War onwards, which may be lying on the bottom. He will go down, identify it, and then we will act accordingly as to what it is. Uh, fortunately for the time being, we haven't found any, so we're just recovering lots and lots of scrap metal. It's not beyond the realms of impossibility that you will find something, because this area was peppered during the Second World War. Yeah, we've, we've already looked uh, at, the, at, at that data, and also in here, this has already been looked at by an ROV, so with the remote operated vehicle, which has gone and done scans. So we've got an excess of 200 targets to, to look at and identify that they are not just scrap metal, but they're certainly not UXO. One of your divers discovers something that it thinks might be an exploding form. What next? Uh, we'll try and get it on the camera. From that point, uh, if we can identify it straight away from him, then we'll, we'll take the appropriate action. If we can't identify it, we have a brimstone representative on there who's uh, an EOD operative. He will sit there and then look at it, identify it from the camera. And again, then we will take the appropriate action necessary for that, that actual bit of ordnance. Everyone would be slightly different, but uh, that's his job. As we speak here, Lenny, there are a couple of divers in the dock. How deep have they gone? So at the minute, we're diving in approximately 30 feet of water. So 10, 11 meters of water, uh, and, and they are doing a, a two to three hour shift. Two, hour, two to three hour shifts, then they come out. Then they come out, swapped over, and another diver steps in, yeah. Is there a diver in there 24 seven? Uh, we've got divers working uh, an 11, 11 hour day shift, and then we've got divers on an eight hour night shift. So we're missing a couple of hours in the middle, but effectively, yeah, we're working a day and a night shift. And I assume you've got divers as well on the barge, just in case the divers yeah. to get into a spot of bother. Exactly, we've got a standby diver who's permanently on call uh, should, should a diver require his assistance. I can see a lot of debris that's already been fished out of the dock here. Yeah. Some of it's quite heavy, some of it not. The heavy stuff, how does that come out? So anything that's heavy, we're, we're incorporating the uh, force constrictor, which is, is a multi-cap barge over there, and it's got a crane capability, as you can see. So he'll lift anything up to six tonne. We haven't found anything that big, but we have two tonne, one tonne loads that have already been taken out. Uh, we'll sling it, the diver will do the slinging work underwater, diver will then recover to the barge, uh, we'll bring the boat forward, do some slinging operations, and then that's recovered onto them. Once they're full, they'll go away and uh, offload somewhere else. What's the visibility like for the guys at the bottom of the dock? Shut your eyes and, uh, and, and do that for a minute. It's literally. Pretty, it's pretty, pretty dark down there, yeah. So are they literally are they poking about with a stick? Yeah, well, yeah. A lot of it's finger touch, so a lot of the stuff that doing is finger touch. We've also got an EOD-1 down there, so as the guys are probing, probing with that, that's identifying metal objects in there. Uh, they've got a hat light and a camera. Sometimes we'll get maybe six inches to nine inches of visibility, uh, and, and sometimes the visibility that we've got on the camera is better than what the diver can see with his human eyes, so that helps him. 
when you finish with the night, you start again the next day. How yeah. do you know where you finished the night before? How okay. do you know where you're up to? That, that, that's, that's really easy, that question. We've got a surveyor who's permanently in, on station with us. Uh, so everything that we've done, he is marking and plotting onto his chart. So that chart tells us exactly where the diver finished. Uh, it shows us exactly all the sweeps that we've, we've taken. So as the wand's moving, it's recording onto a chart and we can present that chart to the client every day. There's a lot of experienced men working on this aspect of it all. Do you allow yourself to think what it would be like when there's a football stadium here or does it just dive in, it's another job, get it done and get away? I, I think it's a fantastic venture to come and see something which was originally a pond turn into a usable space. That's a fantastic piece of engineering, you know, it's going to be great for the future. As well as searching the dock for objects that may hinder the infill, the sides of the dock have to be sealed. Josh is overseeing that bit. We got two uh, teams running a below water team and above water team. The divers are working below to fill in any voids so that when they fill the dock with sand that it's not going to leak through to anywhere else. We are doing pretty much the same with the above water works then. In layman's terms, are you basically plastering around the dock? Yes, we are. Obviously, we've got to be a bit careful because we've got to use certain materials and because they're for heritage and they're listed. But pretty much, yeah, just filling in uh, voids. Has that been an issue for you, the fact that the, some of the some of the side walls are grade two listed and you've got to be very careful? Yeah, yeah, we've had to make sure that we've uh, got certain things approved and we do things in certain ways so that uh, it doesn't affect the heritage of it, basically, yeah, yeah. 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 It's fascinating stuff, isn't it? It really is. Rather them than me, by the way. And I can tell you that not long after recording those chats with the divers, they did find something very interesting lying at the bottom of the dock. As promised, here's Colin Chong with an exclusive update. We, we always, I mean, we do a desktop exercise even before we start anything um, and agree a methodology with the planning authority um, on how we're going to survey and I suppose make safe the site from Second World War um, and and you know more recent stuff as well. People you know are not afraid to throw stuff in docks um, if you know they don't want them to be found. So we carry out a desktop exercise which gives you the risk level. Um, we then carried out a methodology that had been agreed with um, obviously Merseyside Police, the Environment Agency, all the stakeholders who would be interested in anything that could um, present a risk to us. And we've implemented that process and, you know, we're not hiding from the fact we found multiple anti-aircraft shells, you know, which, you know, it's really quite interesting. You find out that one in five never worked when they were fired. Um, they come in packs of five and if one doesn't work, they get rid of the whole pack. And it's, you know, for, for whatever reason, these anti-aircraft shells have ended up in our dock. And when we find them, we have to treat them, you know, obviously with the respect that they deserve. We're not sure of the condition of them, you know, and it, it really, um, I take my hat off to the divers. They're quite used to all mm -hmm. this and what they do, but they are swimming around in water that is, has really poor visibility. It's pitch black where they are. They're 10 meters deep as a minimum. They have a high pressure lance that clears away material from around, you know, the, the target, which could be anything from an old car tire to a ship anchor to, unfortunately, you know, um, anti-aircraft shells and, and other stuff. Um, so the silt itself makes it impossible to see what you're doing. And they're literally feeling around in the dark. Mm -hmm. 
performance. Um, and, you know, that they, they they know what they're, they're touching as soon as they touch it, because they do it for a living. But I wouldn't want to do it. Normally. You know, everything we find in the dock, whether it's, you know, a marine mammal, whether it's a you know, microbiological organism, or whether it's a bomb, it will be dealt with in the appropriate manner. And, you know, we're not shying away from our responsibilities to do this properly. You know, we want all the sea life to be, um, you know, moved on safely. We want, you know, literally, we want to find everything in that dock that could potentially be a hazard to, you know, to the guys who are subsequently going to pile through, you know, with the substructures. We want to remove it and, you know, and then get the, the, the appropriate bodies into to deal with them. And we've had the army there who've uh, exploded a couple of devices for us. We've had the Navy there who've uh, done some controlled explosions as well for us. Um, we're, we're now modifying how often they would visit the site. So we'll collate a number of targets and when it reaches an appropriate level, we'll bring them out to deal with them um, in, in that manner. So we, we sort of target and avoid any of those those items that we're currently finding and they'll be dealt with. Um, but it's, um, I've, I've got to be honest, I've been in the construction industry over 30, nearly 40 years now. And I've found more in that dock than I've found in the whole of my career. Just finally, Carl, before we let you go, just want to, again on these, these, these anti-aircraft shells, if you find something like that, if you've got to just stop everything because you can't you can't just fish it out there's no there's no wheelie bin for unexploded devices is there you must have to just call everything to a halt no, exactly that as soon as we find it we have to stop everything um we have a safety zone that we move everybody to but you know what it does do is it prevents other programmed activities taking place we then have to inform the police who will come along assess the situation and either extend that cordon that we put into place um, that usually means that the whole site has to stop uh, in general terms. So, you know, the last thing we do, want to do is find them regularly and then have to deal with them. Um, but the Navy have agreed now that if we find a number of targets, we leave them where they are and they'll come and deal with them as a batch as opposed to individually because it was causing that much disruption. Um, plus, they have to travel up from Southampton. Um, which took six hours. So the whole site would be closed whilst we were waiting to deal with these, you know, these um, bits of ordnance. So there's an agreed process in place. It works. Um, we're not shying away from it. We, you know, we recognised that the environment that we were looking to build this dock, uh, build this um, stadium in this dock would potentially have these issues. And, and you know, sadly or fortunately, you could say, fortunately, we're finding them, which is what we set out to do. Sadly, there's loads of them, which is causing us a few problems, but um, it, it isn't going to impact on the programme, isn't going to impact on the, um, you know, the, the quality of what we intend to deliver. Lango Rourke, of course, are the construction partner on the Bramley Moor Dock Project and Peter Jones is their operations leader. Peter assured me that he's happy with the early progress. Yeah, we're very pleased with the start we've made. Yeah, we've got a good establishment now on the site. Um, all the welfare facilities are in place and we've made a good start on the repairs to the dock walls, the dock gates and the UXO surveys and things. So, yeah, very pleased so far with how we've made the start. When you say the welfare facilities, is that the change of facilities, toilets, canteens and that for the stuff? Absolutely, yeah. Toilets, canteens for the for the lads that are working, lads and ladies that are working on the site. And, we, you know, we've got um, 
obviously we need to provide an opportunity for them to, to, to make the brews and, and uh, have their lunch and all stuff like that so yeah and obviously the health and safety stuff first aid kits and all that kind of stuff are all here so we're all pretty much set up and good to go yeah it's clearly a challenging project how exciting a project is it Oh, it's really exciting. I think everyone's been itching to get going. You know, I think those of us that have been lucky enough to be involved in the reconstruction activity, it's, you know, we're, it's a fantastic project to be involved with. I think, think the heritage aspect to it is bringing a whole new dimension to it, really. And, uh, you know, of, of huge interest to us all in terms of, of, of making sure that we can get a good start. But at the same time, you know, work with the local authority to make sure that we, 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 you know, we respect the, the heritage items and... and and get going so there's absolutely a lot of detail a lot of meticulous planning but a lot of excitement about it as well because it is such a complex and prestige project to be involved with thanks very much indeed to peter jones the operations leader for lango rourke now the company's project leader is chris Sprague. i spoke to chris about the destruction process that needs to take place and he confirmed that the big warehouse on the site will be the first to go this is the first thing to come down. So we've started peeling away the roof and dismantling the existing warehouse. Um, there's about a week um, so far we've, we've been demolishing it and there's about three weeks to go before it's all on the floor. Is this the biggest building on site that you'll be knocking down, Chris? Yeah, this is the biggest building. So um, we've spent about a week starting to dismantle it and we've got about three weeks left to go. Um, and as you can see over on the northwest corner of the site, we've already demolished one of the smaller buildings. What happens to all the the bricks and the mortar and the steel that, you, that you're knocking down? Sure, so a lot of it will go to recycling. Um, we hope to reuse a lot of the material um, once it's gone through the crusher um, in the ground as, as backfill material um, to build the new stadium on. We're just standing in front of some massive, massive steel pipes. Just tell us what function these perform. Sure, yeah, so when we infill the dock, um, all of the sand that's dispersed around the dock will push all the water to the one end um, and these Pipes are connected to the pumps, which will over-pump the water um, around the dock um, up to the, the most northern dock structure. And on the far side there, we can see some black and white piping. Is that, is that for the sand? So the black and white piping is for the sand, yes. Yeah. So we'll be dredging the sand from out in the Irish Sea, um, bringing it into the Mersey and then discharging it through those floating pipelines um, into Bramley Moor. What's the process of getting the sand from the, the bed of the sea? So the dredging ship goes out to sea um, six hours at a time on a cycle and it will basically dredge the sand into the belly of the ship and then the ship comes into the Mersey, um, mixes the sand with water um, and then it gets pumped like fluid um, through the pipeline into the dock. The sealing of the dock is underway. Again, tell us what that process is. Sure, so if you imagine the, the dock's like a bathtub and we've got to plug the entrance. So to plug it, um, we're putting 30,000 tonne of stone um, into that um, um, entrance channel, basically, which will, will seal it up. So this has been a dock for many, many years. Has the last boat, the last ship, the last sea craft ever sailed into this dock now? It has now, yeah. The last uh, ship has sailed and um, we're fully progressing with the infill, uh, which will take part between October and, and around Christmas time. Technically, there will be one more small sea craft allowed back in. There is one last boat for the fishing operation, so we'll be fishing the dock for any fish which remain um, prior to us filling it with sand. How will that get in then? How will that small boat get in? So we've got a, I've got a crane on site, so the crane will, will literally lift the, the boat in. Um, it'll do its fishing um, over about a week, and then um, the crane will lift it out and it'll be on its way. One part of this site that will avoid demolition, we hope, is the, uh, the famous hydraulic tower, but already you've started to do bits and pieces around that, haven't you? 
We have, yeah, so one of the key listed building condition um, items is to, to make sure that we, we preserve the hydraulic tower um, and the first operation is to make it safe. Um, so we've removed all the loose brickwork. Um, we're currently um, dealing with the internals before we wrap it in scaffold to make sure it's structurally sound. It's obviously a long-term project, a massive project. Are things more or less ticking along nicely at the moment? Everything going according to plan? Sure, yeah. I mean, we're five weeks in. We've had a, a good start. Um, the weather's on our side, which is half of the battle um, in construction, but um, everything's progressing nicely, yeah. And that just about wraps things up for this first episode of the new Everton Stadium podcast. As I mentioned earlier, we'll be here every step of the way, bringing you the very latest information and stories from Bramley Moor Dock. The dream is becoming a reality and you won't miss a beat. <laughs>